0: Hey, hey, Gary here. I had an opportunity to talk with a guy named Rick Wolf. Now, he is a, I guess the easiest way to say it, a leader in fantasy sports. He's on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. He runs FantasyAlarm.com. He's the SVP of B2B, U.S., and Fantasy Sports of Spotlight Sports Group. He's absolutely incredible. Uh, His name's Rick Wolf again, and... I just wanted to do a a short interview to kind of introduce him to the audience because I am planning on having him back in again Uh, as we get to Major League Baseball season with fantasy sports and whatnot, and as we get into the NFL and college football season with fantasy sports, I know that there is a portion of our audience that would love to listen to some of that, and uh, and I wanted Rick to come in and tell his story, tell how he got his start. He is a pioneer in this field, and I think you are really going to enjoy this. So let's go ahead and first knock out some ads, and then we're going to dive into the interview.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Have you found the keys to unlock your best trip? On a Trafalgar tour, you unlock more than just the world. We give you the keys to discover real connections and one-of-a-kind experiences. It all starts with expert itineraries where everything is taken care of. With Trafalgar, your money goes further, and so do you. Unlock your best self. Discover more at trafalgar.com slash unlock. That's trafalga dot slash unlock. Are you
2: kidding me? You are looking long. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris.
0: On today's Winning Cures Everything, we welcome in Fantasy Sports Hall of Famer Rick Wolf. Now, let me riff for just a minute about his credentials. He has been a leader in fantasy sports since the mid-90s. He's been a co-host on Colton and the Wolfman on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio since 2012. He runs FantasyAlarm.com and is currently the Senior Vice President of B2B, U.S. and Fantasy Sports of Spotlight Sports Group. Also, you can follow him on Twitter at Wolf1.
2: Rick, I really appreciate you carving out some time for the show. Yeah, and and well well done with uh, with the bio uh, moment's there. I uh, I uh, you know, I always wonder how how those things happen to me. So, uh <laughs> had a, a long story career. I was 10 years an IBM programmer before founding um, helping to find, found uh, Sportsline USA, which became CBSsports.com. It's I and do want to get
0: into a lot of that actually. Yeah, The whole lot. And of then that.
2: after that I founded <laughs> World. So, like it just in in places where you know, Roto-World already existed, and it was it was inside of a league manager. And I said, why don't we make that the destination site? You know, it's just like asking, I guess, asking smart people the right questions. Um, yeah, and I, I think
0: that's the how cool most stuff. people uh, continue into a career, right, is making sure, or not making sure, but asking, you know, why don't we do it a certain way? Just the, the curious minds yeah. that maybe have something that's right in front of other people's noses that uh, that you can profit off of, or just give something to the consumers that they they really want,
2: but don't necessarily know that they want it yet. Right, right, exactly. And asking the right questions to understand what they do want too. Finding people's finding people's pain points or their difficulties is what made all of sports tools, and now even sports betting tools. Um, you know becoming what they are people are like hey how do i find an overlay on this oh well somebody's going to invent a tool now that does that right so the same thing with fantasy was you know how do i run my league and not have to write down the numbers from the usa today every wednesday and thursday in order to get afc and then nfc um so you know we built built programs that did it automatically for
0: you it's very very easy nowadays to be able to get that information uh where like you said you used to have to just write it all down which is what I used to do, and and now what I do is put them into Google Sheets, uh, which is not the most efficient way to do it. There are other ways to go about this stuff. Uh, so today, like I don't want to dive too much into current fantasy suggestions or advice. I do want to introduce you to our audience. So let's go ahead and start here. You are a current and founding board member of the FSTA. That's the uh, Fantasy Sports Trade Association.
2: Can you tell the listeners what that is and and how it was started? Yeah. Yeah, it, it has recently, uh, two years ago, been rebranded the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, um, as many of our members were sports betting and, uh, and video game oriented. So um, we want to make sure that we cover everything. But uh, it started in the late 90s, um, honestly, because there was a strong confusion between sports betting and fantasy. You know, fantasy being a game of skill and monitored by different laws than sports betting was. Um, and at the time, there were some pretty onerous things going on surrounding the government trying to slow down, especially offshore betting or illegal betting in the United States. So, and we honestly thought, up, oh, Passport would be repealed a couple years from now, and sports betting is going to be legal. Yeah, and this was in 1998. <laughs> yeah, so we we're like, by 2000, it's going to be legal. And honestly, we had the two-year rule, like until 2000 and 2018, when it finally finally flipped. But we really thought like sports betting was just going to, you know pop uh, pop pop legal so um we, we we formed in order to protect the players the people who were playing fantasy so that they wouldn't be considered gambling and regulations wouldn't be put on your home league um, and uh that was in 1998 a handful of people got together at a conference and in Tampa Florida and decided you know it's time to get it started I was running cbssports.com at that time um and I was not one of the people who thought that we should start this but they said let's grab some other influential people and make them founding board members so there were five people who started it and there were five founding board members and the 10 of us sort of sort of started the trade association to try and protect players from from uh from gambling loss. that's a, you, it it does bring up uh in my
0: mind all the different things that went on with the rick Neuheisel, who was the i think the washington head coach at the time yeah. who entered a ncaa tournament bracket and ended up losing his job over it because it was considered gambling, which it wasn't on the sport that he gambled on, et cetera. But now you don't really see that as much. It's much more uh, fantasy sports. It's much more you know anybody can can play so long as it is not considered, I guess, gambling at that point. So it's it's a lot different now than I think it was initially back in the 90s. You you mentioned the 90s. Uh, you were a programmer at IBM. It, it led to I, I guess you helped develop the first ever fantasy game online with Prodigy. Now, not yeah, only that, yeah, I, I was I, yeah, Go ahead. Let's start on that one. Uh, the the yeah, first I fantasy mean, game on Prodigy.
2: None of these things that I talk about I did by myself. I mean, uh, <laughs> every idea has 10 fathers and 100 people to execute it. Oh, of course. Um, so, but there was a concept from John Butterworth called uh, Baseball Manager. It was a simulation game. So it wasn't exactly a fantasy game, but pretty close. You know, you put your lineup in and then based on on real performances, but they came from a stat pool. They didn't come from last night's performance. They came from random, random performances that those athletes had had previously in that season. So every season started middle of May. So you had six weeks of performances bucketed. So you made sure that you had performances that were against the proper-handed pitcher. So Cal Ripken only batting against Randy Johnson in your league, he would get a left-handed performance from the stat pool in order to be able gotcha. to determine. So it was very, it was a very sophisticated concept. Concept, and uh, you know we developed it for the the Prodigy Network. Um, the, it was the first online network before the internet. And honestly, if you had more time, I'd tell you why it would have been the internet until <laughs> IBM screwed up. Um, but uh, it, would have, it would have been the internet. Um, so but Prodigy I've, was the first thing.
0: Let me interrupt you. Prodigy was the first internet that I had at the house. So basically, it was dial-up. And the only thing that we ever got on it at that point was message boards. So anytime we needed any kind of information regarding sports, and I was young, young, young at the time, uh, but my father had it, and we had one computer in the house. We would hop on Prodigy, and we would go to these message boards to try and get information on college football teams back then. And that was wow. the only way you could really get anything other than the newspaper. And because we lived four hours away, he was a huge uh, Alabama fan, which yeah. our entire family is, but we lived you know, over four hours away at the time from Tuscaloosa, so you could not get information. And those exactly. message boards were were lifesavers. So this was uh, very it, brand new and, and oh. incredible to a
2: young mind yeah. back then that we could actually do something like that. <laughs> and so I, I was on the communications team, so I was responsible for writing all the communications back to these giant mainframes from <laughs> from staging computers that then were there were four hundred of them around the country that then they cached they cached all the information for people local like you who were di- who would dial into your closest one. And then you would download the information from there. So I was the communication specialist wrote the bulletin board software, helped to write the um, the email software. We wrote the chat software, even though they told us not to. They said, <laughs> no, no, you don't we don't we don't we don't want chat. So we at IBM, you know, they gave you they gave you five months to do the 45 minute project that you had. Oh yeah. So for the other for the other four and a half months, we worked our own projects. So we wrote we wrote the chat system, actually jokingly calling it Rocky and Boinkle because it was client and server um, (laughs) at the time. So for those of you in the audience who are older, uh, you'll you'll get that one. Uh, But but,
0: uh, yeah, not not long after uh, Prodigy and everything else, you were a key person in helping legitimize fantasy sports in the mainstream. Uh, Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You kind of helped establish relationships. Was it between Commissioner.com and the MLB and the NFL? can you kind of walk me through that yeah. story
2: yeah well um so and and I'm not the only I'm not, again I'm not the only one always right so but uh, but you know you were talking about the college the college situation the legalization uh, and that case that case was really not about um, the bracket or betting on the bracket it was about the 501 status of the college institutions yeah they were considered nonprofit organizations and because of that um, that that put them in a gray area where they could lose their funding from the government if the government thought that they were doing anything nefarious. So it didn't even have to be gambling; it could be anything, right? Yeah. Um, so that same situation hit us at, at CBS because um, we owned a property called Vegas Insider, which started by Mark Mariani and Dan Murphy and you know my group of programmers, and uh, and you know we, we built that for Sportsline and, and CBS said. The NCA wants us to shut that down. You got to, we got to get rid of that. We got to divest of that. So, and that was that was in '97 uh, or about '97. And then CBS also said, well, you know, you got to get rid of this fantasy thing, right? So, and we had we hadn't completely started it. So the, the aforementioned Mark Mariani, Ross Levinson, myself, and a couple of others got in a room and tried to figure out what we were going to do with that. So we convinced CBS that it was that it was okay to, to do. And then we decided we were gonna try and consolidate the fantasy industry under the CBS Sports line, Sports brand. So they gave me a bunch of money to go out and find the right companies. What's the best way to find the companies? Start a trade organization. So they had just started that trade organization and, in 98. And so we went out to try and, and buy whatever we could. So one of the things that was available was the NFL and the MLB didn't believe that fantasy was worth anything. So we went to them and they said, no, it's honestly, one of the NFL executives said it was, it, it was for freaks and geeks. And I raised my hand and I said, I'm both. Um, <laughs> like, I'm that so, guy. <laughs> yeah. And then so we said, well, why don't we just do it under your brand? We'll, we'll white label the whole thing and uh, we'll keep all the revenue, but we'll, we'll give you $10 million for three years. So in 1997, we gave them $10 million each for three years and we ran the official fantasy games for the NFL and for MOB, making close to $30 million in those oh, yeah. three years. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so because of that, they then took it back and then built their own. And now they both have thriving fantasy communities. Oh, of course, um, of course. Well, I mean, it, it completely reestablished. Uh, it made them cool.
0: It made them cool at that point because you no longer had to worry just about your own team, uh, whether it's yeah. the Mets or whoever. If that team is out of it, you've still got something going on. There is still something to pay attention to around the league. So it's it obviously made them yep. uh, a lot more money, and it made them more interesting as they grew along. So uh, so I, I could say that you and your counterparts definitely helped grow their brands and they had
2: no idea what they were sitting on at the time. <laughs> it just yeah, blew my mind. And the leaders were, you know, Mark Mariani and Ross Levinson, who I mentioned, then Peter Pizaris, Michael Gersh, who um, owned Commissioner.com and they did the software in order to be able to bring that. And then, you know, the, the intense bravery of Michael Levy to, to just give us $20 million to, to spend, yeah. um, you know, Pre-public, we weren't public yet. We didn't go public until October of '97. So, you know, we had a war chest from IBM US West and Kleiner Perkins and and uh, Shaq, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, um, all uh, IMG, uh, Netscape, Sun Microsystems. Everybody was putting money into us. And so he just said it's okay to spend twenty million dollars and go consolidate the industry by by putting our software up on on uh, on the, the leaks. Now, it it certainly
0: helped things. Uh, Your story is so interesting. I am so curious about all of this. Uh, (laughs) Back in the early 2000s, you were working with All-Star Stats. Uh, NBC Universal ended up purchasing them. You became the Director of Business Development for NBC. I hope I said that name right. Uh, Yeah. But for NBC Sports Digital. Now, how did that go down? What was that like? Like, had you done anything like uh, being a Director of Business Development for a digital sports company? Uh, up until that point,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, when uh, when I was with Sportsline, I moved over to the business side uh, in the end end of '99. In uh, '99, and then when I was with All Star Stats, when I started with them in 2001, I was their SVP of Strategic Partnerships. So I was already running business development, doing partnerships for for them, and then also for the industry. You know, I was representing the industry in in certain rooms. I was the chairman at that time from 2002 to 2006 of the F then FSTA um, as we changed to the trade association. So gotcha. yeah, you know, I had some good experience there and certainly understood the digital side. One of the complicated things about being a business guy is understanding technology. So being somebody who has a computer science degree and, and has you know, been in the trenches before can help understand when inflated time timelines come from tech departments or, you know, or when unrealistic time timelines come from potential investments. So gotcha. Um, just something good to know about technology. If you're, if you're in the uh, in the C suite now that definitely makes sense
0: Uh, can you tell us more about uh, the fantasy sports network that you currently run? Uh, I'm I'm curious about all of the different levels uh, that you, you've got the website, you've got the radio show, you've got uh, all these other
2: different uh, branches, I guess you could say. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, and, and the most important branch we probably haven't talked about yet, and that's the Spotlight Sports Group, right? That's yes. the, I'm I'm the SVP of of business uh, partnerships for that, and that in that entails so much more than what you know Fantasy Alarm did uh, before, because now they bring a girth of content creators, a girth of technology, um, and. The most important thing is their understanding of SEO and and social media marketing in order to help people do sports affiliation, which is incredibly lucrative right now and exploding in the sports betting landscape. So we're helping lots of different partners with that. We you know we announced a partnership with Advanced Local where we're helping their Syracuse.com property and their their um, Staten Island SI Live.com uh, property and the MichiganLive.com property MLive. Live. Um, to make sure that we can work together in order to, you know, drive affiliation and then create a universe where people belong, create sports experiences where people belong. Um, Cause that's what I've done my whole career since the very beginning. You were talking about the bulletin boards. Yes. We created an air, we created different verticals in bulletin boards where you felt like you belonged, right? Yeah. When you went into yeah. the movies vertical, if you're a movies fan, you had people to talk to. And so that's what we're creating here at the, at, at, at SSG, at spotlight sports group is those kind of places, those experiences where you where you belong. Everything from helping with NBC Sports Edge, um, working with the Fade the Noise Network. Uh, actually, they're called Ftn Network now. Um, and uh, you know, and of course the advanced local partner, like I talked, and, and hopefully some other major brands coming down the pike soon.
0: Uh, most certainly. Now I play season long NFL fantasy almost every season. Uh, now I didn't this past season. That was partly because 2020 bit me so badly with some of the guys that I had missing games mm. due to COVID or or games being moved, etc what would be your preference? And uh, do you still play, uh, you know, do you do daily fantasy or season long? Is it more fun yeah. to
2: roll with both? What uh, what do you look at the industry like now? I mean, I, I play them all because I find having a rooting interest is really a lot of fun. Oh, yes. And <laughs> you can do that for a small amount of money and the tools at FantasyAlarm.com uh, and DFSAlarm.com can help you figure out um, how to do those things in a way that, that I can, you know, when I play and I win, that's just more money to play with. Oh, right? yes. For me, that for me it's it's all about <laughs> you know, playing more and, and sports betting is the same thing, you know, last night uh, for the, uh, for the NCAA championship game, you know, I was live, I was live betting on the Kansas line, all, all second half, <laughs> you know, picked it up at halftime and, and, and wrote it all the way out. So, um, you know, to me, I think that's really fun when you're right when you're wrong it's i think it's still just as much fun oh yeah so I it makes the games it makes the games more fun to watch that's what we said in 1998 and it's still true now for both sports betting and for fantasy so i i play five or six different dfs sports and uh and i play heavy in baseball and football including in the expert leagues like the league of alternative baseball reality and Towers. wars
0: gotcha okay okay my wife and i uh we have started to, obviously i've been gambling for Quite some time. We have found uh, this. I forget the product exactly. It's Moneyline Dice. And basically, uh, you, you just roll. And she has a lot of fun with this. So we uh, we enjoyed that last evening quite a bit. Um, it didn't win. But <laughs> it was still nice to have a rooting interest. Uh, for the first time fantasy sports player, what would be your advice to uh, to help
2: them be successful early? I would say don't be afraid and play for fun. <laughs> so try to find like-minded people, people of similar... Uh, you know, if you're if you're someone who just likes the New York Giants and just like, you know, follows the NFC East and, you know, isn't a big, uh, you know, isn't as big into every single player then find other people who are like that to play with. Um, the more the more people, the more you're in a place where you belong, um, the better you'll the more fun you'll have. No, that, and, does, you know, that
0: does make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just and to be so, around people that have uh, it, it, it's similar interests. Right.
2: Yeah, and there's really no downside to playing, you know, in a a, starting in a free league on Yahoo or or on ESPN, um, because generally those a lot of people play many many leagues, and so maybe there'll be three or four out of four or five out of twelve people playing playing hard, and then it gives you just a chance to sort of get a feel for it. Um, But I suggest you just get a small group of of friends together. I start everybody in my family in the family league, right? So we we have a ten team league and we sort of rotate first timers from around my extended family to come in and play. And then everybody feels like they have fun. And it's all family based. (laughs) So I I suggest you start slow. That's the easy
0: way. I think Uh, my, my father is 63 years old and played fantasy this last year with a, a few guys from work and did it for the first time. And he is absolutely hooked. He used to not give a rip about the NFL and, and now he was watching every Sunday. He was watching every game, trying to see what his guys were going to do. And uh, I introduced him to the Red Zone channel, et cetera, so that he could see the scoring plays and whatnot as they were happening. Uh, It blew my mind. He had no interest in it before he started playing fantasy, and now he wants to get a league together for uh, the rest of our family this year. And, of course, I said, all right, I I might jump back in (laughs) again because of how badly I was bit in 2020. I didn't play it this last year. But uh, but season long with the family – yeah it gives you some uh some rivalries a little bit yeah. something interesting
2: some good trash
0: talking <laughs> you get good that trash right. talking something something that you can fight over at thanksgiving <laughs> like we for don't have enough for sure already. <laughs> now let's for uh, sure let's give the people some current stuff before we get out of here opening day for baseball is almost here uh, there were yeah. a ton of free agency moves this year etc do you have any sleepers for people to watch as they are playing fantasy in mlb this year
2: well, it depends on how deep a sleeper you want, right? <laughs> and so, and in general, the sleepers don't come from the, the from the big free agents who sign other places because sixty eight percent of those have a downtrodden April. It's hard to get used to a new place. Oh, yeah. And so, that generally, unless your name is J D Martinez, you know, when you go to a new home, you struggle uh, when you first get there. So, you know, I would expect your Corey Seegers and your and your Marcus Simeons and your Javier Baez, guys like that, to to have. Um, to have a, a tough first couple of weeks, at least, and you know when you take a couple of weeks away, and it's one twelfth of the season, you know that can really affect your season-long numbers. So I stay away from those guys. And uh, you know, generally speaking, if you're if you're a first-time player in baseball, or you're you're not a, a high-end player, age matters a real lot. Guys who have between eight hundred and thousand at bats in the major leagues before they turn twenty-five. Generally, will have that their biggest year in that year. So in their tw- in their twenty fifth or twenty six year old season. So if you look back at the last six years of home run leaders, you'll see that there are a larger percentage of twenty five and twenty six year old players on each year's list. So it's just the year that it, that that players explode from a power standpoint. It tends to make so the that's most something sense. to look for. So and, so
0: could we expect more from uh, from maybe Pete Alonso this year uh,
2: because yes, he's had you a couple of big ex- years. Uh, He's had a couple of big years and he has, he has well more than a thousand under his belt. So guys like him and Tatis and and Acuna who started younger, um, their, their growth spot already hit. It's when they hit that thousand at bats and they're coming into their 20, into their 25 or 26 year old season where you see most guys. So I would say he's probably, he's probably already, already hit. Um, But you know, you saw it last year with Matt Olson. Matt Olson turned 25 last year. Right, you know, you just see these guys just pop in their twenty, in their twenty-five. Hey, you
0: brought up, and then, uh, you brought up Acuna. Let me interrupt you really quick. Uh, does coming off of an injury, does that ever really play into the way that you would play it?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't know if I should get into it or not, um, but we have we have what we call the smart system. Okay. It's an it's an acronym. It's it stands for scarcity management, uh, ACE, relief and team. Okay, um, for how you draft your team because you know like i said i'm running the business side of a lot of things now so i have to cut the player pool. i cut the the 800 per player pool down to about 110 gotcha. players and those are the only 110 i'll draft and i do that based on a certain set of rules we call them the rules of engagement okay and so one of them is injured players tend to get injured again so i try i just eliminate all players who were injured last year that's it just <laughs> bye they're all gone no, seriously, it's very. It's it very makes simple. sense. It does right? make sense. Players, players who who sign a big contract in a new, um, in a new home, I cut I cut their value down by twenty percent. That means I'm probably not owning them. But if I do get one of them at that twenty percent discount, then great, I'm happy to do that, um, for the exact reason that we just talked about. Right? They're, yeah. They have, they're going to struggle when they get started. For pitchers, it's you want pitchers who throw gas, guys who throw hard you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, throwing have to throw a hundred, but I'm talking about, don't be taking pictures who, whose fastball is 89 or 88. You want 93 or above. And, um, and that, that means that they're more predictable, more projectable. So then you can get more assurance with your players. So I cut out everybody who has a velo below 93 on their fastball. Won't be on my team. And so we have these rules of engagement. You can get them at fantasyalarmcom slash smart. If you want to take a look, um, and uh and and they're just just the things that you need to do in order to make sure that you can cut that pool down enough so you can make it so you make it manageable for you to be able to draft i absolutely love it rick uh if you would go ahead
0: tell everybody again where all they can find you what is the best way to be able to get your content
2: okay well uh fantasyalarm.com slash smart is one way Fantasyalarm.com, of course we're there and uh you can go to spotlightsportsgroup.com if you're a business owner and you want us to help you with your business, whether it's affiliation or games or tools. Um, they're all self-service, so they they're their software as a service. We give them to you, and you use them, create your own tools. Maybe you'll want them, and uh, and to also you know make your own games. So I think that's a that's a very good place to find. And then of course on Sirius XM on Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, Colton and the Wolfman. I am not Colton, so uh, I will be howling uh howling on Tuesday nights. Uh, if you if you want to join on uh, SiriusXM and Sports, fans. absolutely,
0: of course, on Twitter as well at RickWolf1. How often are you on Twitter?
2: I'm on Twitter enough to um, post charts and stuff about mostly about baseball, um, and I respond to anybody who, who who tweets at me. But I'm just not all that popular with my five thousand uh, my five thousand uh, or so <laughs> folks. So
0: it makes sense. It makes sense. Well, look, we appreciate you joining the show. We hope to have you back over the summer heading into football season once we get ready for fantasy NFL and uh, and maybe some fantasy college football. I, I'm, I'm supposing that you guys cover that one as well? Uh, yes, we do,
2: of course. Wonderful. We cover 13 sports at Fantasy Alarms. So.
0: Oh, my goodness. I love it. I love yep. it. Well, we certainly appreciate you joining us. All right. Thanks, my friend. Of course. Take care. And that was Rick Wolf. of course. You heard everything you need to know about him there, but my gracious, uh, incredibly interesting individual, has been doing this for a very long time. Hopefully, all of you enjoyed getting to be introduced to him through the show, and hopefully you'll stick around with us. You will continue sharing out the show. We certainly appreciate all of you for listening to the show. We certainly appreciate that, and we hope that you would continue to do so. Of course, let me give you the rundown again. The usual, YouTube... Go ahead and share that. Make sure that you are subscribed, that you like the videos, and all that good stuff. And, of course, the podcast. You can find that at winningcureseverything.com. That's got everything that you need to know. But the podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. So leave a nice five-star review, a written review, if you would so kindly. Uh, You guys know that we read them out on the show every now and then. So go ahead and leave one of those. And I'll go ahead and tell you, like we do to end every show. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And hopefully, all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com. Or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at winningcures, at GaryWCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place.